0: Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of One Click Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies, we feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey, everybody, welcome back to B2B Made Simple, a marketing podcast for uh, marketers, primarily in the SaaS and the tech world. Um, but even if you're not, you can get a lot of value from this. And my awesome guest today, his name is Mike Corcoran. He is the Director of Marketing at Fluence Technologies. Mike, it's really good to have you here, man.
1: Great to be here. We've, uh, we've, we've been talking for ages, and it's uh, terrific to finally uh, connect online and then live in person or virtually in person <laughs>
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, Mike is from the great land of Canada. I have um, fond memories up there north of the border of us. I have some family up in Canada, and uh, I drive right through Toronto to get to them for Canadian Thanksgiving uh, whenever we go up. So, I'm pretty familiar with where you are. And uh, it, again, it's good to have you here, man. I appreciate it.
1: Well, glad to have a uh, Canadian fan on the line. <laughs>
0: so before we hop in i always like to kind of mix up the conversation um for you i kind of have an idea of what direction you would go with this but if you had to choose between a lake or as you would call it in canada a cottaging vacation um or a beach vacation and you could you had one for the rest of your life and you couldn't do the other one which one would you go with
1: oh the cottage And uh, cottage in canada it's uh it's it, it's a year-round experience in fact in Canada cottaging is a bird we're going <laughs> cottaging this weekend uh, whether it's water skiing in the summer skiing in the winter or just heading up to curl up with a book for a few days year-round pleasure
0: yes uh I'm very familiar with it yeah, I, it's funny because just the, I know we're like very close countries to like just like the culture and things like that but that's one thing i always remember my family saying is yeah we got a cottage we're going up or i'm, I'm at my friend's cottage for the summer and it's it's funny because here it's just a lake house but uh, you guys have really made it into a verb and i figured you know what you're not really canadian if you say that like the beach is the way to go it it has to be uh cottage so well done a plus on that one
1: <laughs> and in spite of what many people think it is not cold up here and in fact it is scorching hot uh, yes i, I know it, it's it's hot throughout the states but it is yeah, <laughs> it's painfully hot here i think it's about 200 percent humidity and uh, 90 degrees out today
0: i believe it, it. yeah i my we always used to tease my family uh you know you wrote, you would ride your polar bears to school but in all seriousness mm-hmm. like i'm in upstate new york and it's pretty much the exact same climate as you guys and people don't really get it. So if you're listening to this in Florida and you think Canada, the frozen north, uh, they're frozen, but uh, not necessarily in Toronto.
1: <laughs> no, sometimes I gotta pack two or three shirts with me uh, every day. <laughs>
0: yeah, I've been there. Um, well, awesome, man. I appreciate you you being on the show. Um, I'm I'm actually really excited about this conversation. Uh, it's basically infusing emotion into our marketing as well as the logical side what the balance should be, where it should go, when it's appropriate, and what it looks like. Um, So my first question to you, Mike, is what are some ways that you help remember, uh, help yourself, I should say, remember that you're, you're talking to people with your marketing. And I know that's cliche and a lot of people, they say that a lot, but it's important. And how do you help yourself remember that?
1: I, uh, well, I, I, I think that's the that's the key lesson. If I was to impart one piece of wisdom on, on fellow marketers, uh, and especially in B2B, is, it's that, uh, yes, your market may be business. The, uh, uh, you may be sending invoices to uh, the, the, the business, but uh, it's not the business making the purchasing decisions. Uh, it's people, and it's people that have emotions and aspirations and pain points and uh, uh, arguably, most importantly, biases as well. How I remember that is uh, I, I catch myself uh, acting on emotion. I mean, as, as, as humans, we make decisions based on emotion and then tend to look for uh, uh, evidence and, and, and logic to back that up. But it's, uh, the, it's the emotional decision that drives the logical brain. It's the, you know, the mouse on top of the elephant. Uh, uh, in terms of the logical brain versus the emotional brain. Mm-hmm. And I'm reminded of that every day. Uh, seeing people with Nike shoes on or uh, you know anything branded, uh, iPads, uh, iPhones, you name it. Mm-hmm. You're not buying that because it's necessarily better technology or better running shoe. You're buying it for that logo on the back.
0: Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that you remember is kind of, Assessing your own buying habits as a consumer and saying, Well, I buy with emotion, even as a B2B, you're the director of marketing at a B2B SaaS company or, or tech company, and you buy with emotion, and you just kind of look inward, and that kind of helps you remember, okay, everyone else is a human as well, right?
1: Yeah. Whether you're mm-hmm. buying SaaS software or soft
0: Um. So, with buying being based on emotion and justified by logic, I think that's pretty out there that 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 phrase Um, how does that affect your marketing style personally so can you dive into that for us
1: sure Uh, I I touched earlier on people uh, by definition having feelings aspirations emotions and things like that but biases as well and uh, we could have an entirely separate discussion about uh, uh, about personal biases and and, and the list of the most common uh, we, we could have a separate episode on why uh, I think every marketer should take at least several courses, if not a degree in in, uh, psychology. Uh, But the the one bias that that stands out to me is is, uh, that 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 backs up or or, or parallels what we're talking about is confirmation bias. Uh, And that really sums up everything we're talking about today, that the confirmation bias is that decision that's made, whether it's at the voting booth, whether it's at the mall or whether it's uh, uh, cloud uh, uh, SaaS software. uh, uh, Confirmation bias is is what what, what drives uh, the the purchasing decision. And what that translates into from a marketing standpoint is talking to your audience as though they're people, remembering that they're people, uh, talking to them like people, talking to them as if uh, you were sitting at the bar or the breakfast table, uh, and and remembering that it's it, uh, it, it, it's people making the decisions at the end of the day. Uh, I guess taking that one step further, uh, a couple things that stand out are, uh, you know, using very personal tone uh, and language when you're talking. Uh, obviously, avoiding uh, 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 avoiding technical jargon, uh, 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 the alphabet soup of acronyms and abbreviations, uh, talking to uh, personal pain points and and benefits and value propositions. Uh, And then, like uh, uh, you mentioned earlier, backing that up with the the justification. So you, you, you hit on the emotional driver that drives the purchasing decision, but you provide the justification that they need to confirm or 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 justify that that decision.
0: I was gonna say, I, I love your point about the technical jargon, uh, jargon, there we go. Um, and I'm a big proponent of not using it really at all. And the reason being is because I think a lot of companies they come into it and they, they put this technical jargon on their website and they think it builds credibility when really all it does is confuse. And the only caveat that I have is if you know your customer so well, and that's the language that they're using. So for us, it could be like, oh, web dev. That's like a kind of slang industry term, and a lot of marketers understand that, so we can kind of throw it in the conversation. But if we if they didn't, then we wouldn't use that because, you know, that would just be industry jargon, and I think that you need to avoid it at all costs. Um, with the only caveat is like again you know your customers so well, and that's actually how they talk. That's the only exception that I would give really to that.
1: I, I totally uh, I agree. And, and all marketers, whether you're, you're digital, paid, uh, PR, or across the marketing spectrum, all marketers are communicators. And to communicate effectively, uh, you need to speak the language of, of your customers. But even customers, uh, no matter what the industry, uh tend to, to appreciate plain english and mm-hmm. and not the not not the jargon not the text speak not the buzzwords uh plain english uh, and then the uh, i would say the other important factor there uh, i would say authenticity but i think that's been such an overused buzzword i think that i think the better word would uh would be just honesty like don't don't try and, and cover up uh uh, a, a, a sales pitch as educational content. Don't uh, uh, don't hold a webinar that promises to teach you five best practices in X, Y, and Z uh, when, in fact, it's a really thinly veiled sales pitch for features A, B, and C for your product. Mm-hmm. That's not to say don't promote yourself, but be upfront about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a case in point is we'll, we'll even have in some of our blog articles. Uh, where, where we talk about thought leadership and trends in the industry and uh, 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 drivers and priorities and things like that, there are obviously opportunities for us to tie this back to our product. But we'll uh, uh, we'll sometimes uh, uh, make it an aside and, and almost like a spoiler alert say, uh, shameless plug alert. We're we're going to talk for two paragraphs about how this talks about uh, uh, about how our product ties into uh, uh, this this overall trend, but we're upfront about it. We're quick about it. And then we get right back to the point. Don't try and con your audience the same way you wouldn't do it face to face. (laughs) Don't try and do it in a digital world either.
0: You mentioned before that marketers know that their messaging needs to be clear, that their value prop needs to be clear, that they shouldn't use jargon, that they need to speak with emotion and not necessarily the logic. Marketers know that stuff. Like this is nothing new, but why do they still mess it up and just, overcomplicate it and overthink it. I see it all the time and they actually know the fundamentals yet they throw them at the window when game time starts, I guess should be the way to put it.
1: Yes. And, and I think uh, that's another human trait. You may know what you want to do, but, mm-hmm. uh, or what you need to do. You may know what the best practices are, uh, but that the, the whole uh, tech speak and jargon speak has been so ingrained and in, in particularly in, in tech since uh, you know, certainly since the dot com days, uh, and I would say in SaaS, uh, uh, SaaS software uh, uh, as well, habits are tough to break. Even if you know they're bad, mm-hmm. smokers know that uh, uh, smoking is bad for them. Or cigarettes up here, uh, they don't even have any branding on them. They're all the entire package is just a warning uh, with a stat about emphysema <laughs> or lung cancer. But is that in any way effective? at curbing the smoking rate in Canada?
0: No. Kind of switching gears here, kind of back to where we were, logical versus emotion. What happens if we have an extremely logical buyer? So again, we know our customers, we know how they buy, and they're more intellectual. Do they still buy on emotion? Should we still lead with emotion in our marketing? Or is there a different recipe here?
1: They they may be logical, but they're, they're still people at the end of the day. And people have the base, basically the same uh, uh, makeup and structure of their brain, from the basal ganglia to the prefrontal cortex. Oh, my gosh. I'm doing the, doing the technical jargon journey, journey here, the medical jargon. But we're still humans at the end of the day. And just to, to uh, you know, put that, try that point home, uh, our, our software is for the Office of Finance. And and not just the Office of Finance, but the accounting side of Office of Finance, of the Office of Finance. So uh, accountants, uh, accounting directors, controllers, these are very data-driven, very logical, uh, uh, logic-driven people whose uh, aim uh, at at the end end of every day is to make sure the books balance out. Uh, like I, I, I'm hard, pressed to think of an industry that's more logical than accounting. Debits have mm-hmm. to equal credit. If it's a penny off, you've got to go back mm-hmm. and 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 balance it out. And if that's not logic at its at its finest, uh, I don't know what is. But uh, this may be a, I don't mean this is a shameless plug, but if you go to our website, we don't talk about automation features and uh, you know the typical SaaS offering that. We'll automate process X so you can free up more time and resources to do Y. The first thing, and, and nor do we talk about accounting right off the bat. The first thing you see when you, uh, when you come to our site is stop working late nights, uh, stop working late nights and, and uh, weekends. Stop spending, stop spending all your time copying and pasting numbers between one spreadsheet and the next. You, uh, you don't have to be doing this soul sucking work there's a, there's a better way, and forget the efficiency gains, the governance, the control, the, the data accuracy. Yes, back that up, but, but that's table stakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, how, how we differentiate ourselves is how we make your life easier.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, you guys have one of the most logical buyers out there that I can think off the top of my mind, and you still actually lead with emotion. So it's not just something you're sitting here talking about on the podcast, like, oh, this is what companies should do, but this is something you've experienced and you're probably more entrenched than most because of really the, the personality and the character traits of your buyer, right?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. but even the most logical, data-driven, logic-driven person is still a person. Mm-hmm. You look at what phone they have, look at what uh, the, the label on their shirt, you know, uh, look at the, what car they drive, uh, yeah, fuel economy, things like that, uh, uh, certainly uh, uh, factored into the, the, the car decision, but the brand, the color, things like that, uh, really are, are, are what drove, uh, drove the decision with the, the, the fuel economy, uh, uh, resale value, depreciation, uh, just being the, the, the justification or, or back to the bias, the confirmation that you look for to back up
0: that, that emotion-driven decision. Um, so we have a list here of kind of like all-encompassing marketing areas that need to have emotion. Um, first one is your website, explainer videos, your really just marketing materials as, as a whole and even your events. So those are four that we kind of have listed out here. And if you want, can we walk through each of those and you can give us a couple examples of, hey, I know we actually just touched on website, but some tangible takeaways for, this is how we do it on a website, or here's an, an idea for an explainer video. Um, so we kind of touched on the website, but are there any other areas that you've found uh, are great ways to get that emotion and that emotional buy-in from your, your, your customers on the website?
1: Sure, and, and I would say probably the, uh, the biggest bang for your buck, the, 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 the most effective way to do that, is sharing customer stories, uh, whether that's uh, on, a, on a customer story website uh, or, 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 or web page. And I don't mean the typical one-page case study problem solution result and, and three quick bullets with uh, uh, the, the ROI and the payback period and things like that. Yes, you, you need those, but those are table stakes. But tell the story. Tell the story of... Uh, uh, of the, uh, the 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 customer that's the the uh, the, the subject of the, the success story, uh, and and furthermore not not just the company, but the uh, the internal champion, the person that that is benefiting the most, uh, or that that, uh, that that really drove the purchasing decision. What what were her what were her pain points? What what kept her awake at night? What could she not do because of Pain point, A, B, and C. Uh, and how is your life better today as a result? Tell the story. Sorry, And even better is if you can get the customers telling the story for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we actually just uh, purchased a, a, a video uh, a video authoring and publishing software called Vidyard, another great Canadian company. Uh, uh, terrific software. And it's uh, uh, allowed us to, to publish these really quick two-minute, no, not even 2 minutes. 60 90 second clips of uh, uh, a number of our customers uh, again talking about uh yes roi but but talking about how their lives are easier and 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 the feelings that they 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 felt the emotions they felt uh between the before and the after Mm -hmm. not just the payback period the roi the time saving and things like that
0: do you have certain questions that you ask them to kind of get those questions or the answers out of them to, I mean, cause they're not going to lead with feelings. They're probably, again, you have logical buyers are going to want to talk about statistics and numbers, but what are some of those questions that you pull the emotions out? Because that's a really good idea with those videos.
1: Sure. And, and the, you know, the obvious question is that, that's great about how your team is, is either performing better or Uh, uh, doing something with with more accuracy or what have you, but how is your day easier uh, as a result? How is your job easier as a result? What can you do now uh, in your job you couldn't do before? And how, really, how is your life even a little bit better because of a piece of software that you bought for for your accounting? It, It sounds like a stretch, but it really isn't.
0: Um, so moving on to explainer videos, I love, you know, what you just said about websites, the questions you can ask. I think that's really important. Um, how do we get emotion into our explainer videos? I know they're normally product driven. Uh, how do we lead with benefits there?
1: Sure. And, and don't get me wrong. We do have the, uh, uh the, the product demo videos up on our site, but in terms of explainer videos, uh, I'd say this is, it, we talked about uh, talking the language of your customers and, and talking in human language, human to human, if you will, language uh, instead of uh, uh, corporate language. But I, I'd say another takeaway of, of remembering that that your, your B2B buyers are people is uh, taking a page from uh, B2C marketing, uh, whether that's uh, a branding, uh, the, the, the media that you use. Uh, uh, and again, uh, the, Touching on uh, not, not just touching on, but leading with emotion. If you look at most uh, commercials on TV. You see uh, a number of cases. The product doesn't even show up in the ad. It's uh, a celebrity endorsement. It's uh, you know, somebody taking off for the weekend, going to their cottage or going to the beach. Uh, it, you know, provides either that uh, you know that aspirational value. Or that that painkiller value uh, I, again, often without the product even showing up in the commercial whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, re- remembering that your your audience is is people, it 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 only follows that B two B marketers have a ton to learn from B two C best practices.
0: I'm a big fan of really kind of studying b2c brands i they're just so far ahead of the b2b world in a lot of areas not necessarily all of them but i think it's a great place to get some inspiration for sure i'm a huge fan of that
1: yeah one of my uh uh, a couple books that i have on my bookshelf they're all dog-eared and highlighted things like that one of them is jeffrey moore's crossing the chasm that i think every uh, every tech marketer that's been around for more than a couple of years has read at least once. Uh, but the other one is the 22 Immutable Laws of Branding. Uh, another seminal work, I, I think it was written in the, uh, 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 in the 80s, very B2C driven. Uh, but I pull lessons from that in, in mm-hmm. my B2B marketing all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Keeping things simple, focusing on one thing and doing it really well. Not diluting your brand, not overcomplicating things.
0: You're absolutely right, man. I'm you can learn so much from you know other companies and even in the B2B world, you can learn from other B2B companies that aren't even in necessarily your vertical or your industry. That's another one as well. Um, you know, gong isn't necessarily anything like what we do. But it's really cool to see what they do. Drift isn't anything like what we do, but it's really cool to pull ideas from them. Refine labs, I, they're kind of similar to what we do in a, a service provider fashion. But again, you can pull ideas from them and you're not no one, you're not a competitor of theirs. So it's you can pull ideas from it and glean from what Chris Walker is doing. And I'm I love doing that. There's what you can see other people doing.
1: Exactly. I, I, I even look at uh, companies like Coca-Cola as uh, uh, great examples to, 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 to draw from, to, to glean lessons for, for B2B uh, marketing. You know, Coke offers Coke and Diet Coke, but then they don't have Coke Orange, they don't have Coke Lemon Lime, they don't have Coke Water, they have very different brands that... Look at the packaging; you don't even see the Coca-Cola uh, uh, brand on it at all. So they have mm-hmm. done a great job of sticking to their core values, not diluting their brand, but but creating entirely separate brands mm-hmm. that people don't uh, really don't even connect one one to the other. And and I would suggest ninety percent of people don't even know which uh, whether Sprite or Seven Up is owned by Pepsi or Cola or, or uh, Pepsi or Coke. Uh, and and, and there are tons of uh, uh, implications for uh, uh, the the b2b world like one example that that comes to mind is uh, uh, blackberry used to be called research in motion uh offering the blackberry but just like coke obviously b2c brand we're we're humans we we have short attention spans Uh, we can only remember maybe one or two things at, at a time uh, it took them a while to do it before they just dropped the research motion brand entirely and went with BlackBerry is the company and BlackBerry is what we provide.
0: So going back to logical versus uh, you know, benefits driven, it's still important to have that foundational logical material, right? So my question for you is when does that actually come back into play in our marketing materials, on our website, explainer videos? Cause it, again, it, it's important. You still have p- people justify their purchase with logic. So where do we put that back in? Uh,
1: I, I, I would say at, at, you know, certainly at all stages of, of the funnel, but, but particularly at the, uh, the, the decision making stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I would argue if you're particularly at the lower end of the bottom of the funnel, you've probably already made up your mind or you, you've at least narrowed it down to, uh, you know, your, your vendors of choice or your, your short list and, and probably even a short list of your short list. Uh, and, and that's where you're, you've, you've, been, you've been convinced by emotion. You, you've made your decision almost based on emotion and you just need to check off those last boxes uh, for, you know, for due diligence purposes uh, to uh, the, the uh, you know to justify to uh, uh, other uh, other people involved other stakeholders to uh, uh, your executive sponsor and, and and others
0: so this is one of my favorite parts of the interview where we we kind of switch roles and give you the opportunity to become a podcast host i don't know if you've done podcasting before but this this could be your debut um so i want to give you the opportunity and give you the floor if you have any questions for me uh shoot away and we'll we'll tackle them
1: Sure, and I think I think it's a great idea. turning the, uh, the tables because <laughs> I'd love to pick your brain, and and uh, I it could probably come up with a list of fifty. Questions <laughs> to ask you, but, um, uh, we'll, we'll save that for another time or, or another LinkedIn discussion. Uh, but uh, but one question I have for you has to do with LinkedIn. That, that's how we met, uh, commenting on, on a bunch of the same posts, uh, not always agreeing, but but that that's what I love about it. That's how we mm-hmm. learn. Uh, uh, you know, expand our, our, our thinking and, and, and uh, things like that. But uh, what I'm curious about uh, uh, in particular is LinkedIn groups. Uh, I see them all the time. I'm a member of a bunch of them. Uh, LinkedIn and their, their business solutions talks about, uh, you know, the different offerings. Well, even the groups that themselves talk about different ways to, 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 to use them, whether it's for uh, uh, awareness, brand building, uh, or, or even lead generation. And I, I'm just, I, I, I want to know what your take is on, on LinkedIn groups for, uh, for, for B2B companies, uh, B2B SaaS companies in particular. Uh, you know, how to find the, the right ones that, uh, that, that really connect with your target audience or your, I'm going to use the buzzword here, but your ICP. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and what, what you, you think is the, the most effective way to, to leverage those, whether it's organic conversations sponsoring, uh, or, or some kind of lead gen, uh, program.
0: My thoughts on LinkedIn groups is they seem at least the ones that I've been in have been kind of dead. Um, and I think that maybe it's just because it's not really a part of LinkedIn that's really matured yet. And I don't think it's actually prioritized by LinkedIn. So for example, I've been in a group with thousands of people and people actually post but I never get the posts in my feed. And what that shows me is that LinkedIn doesn't prioritize it. And if I were to spend time creating content for those groups, not many people are going to see it. So in that case.
1: Powerful algorithm. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I, I know. It comes back to that. Not saying that LinkedIn could prioritize it down the road because if you look at what social media platforms do, they tend to copy each other. And right now you can go to Facebook and find a group for anything and everything. And people engage in them, and it's really what I see Facebook turning into. Now, with that being said, Instagram kind of started the story realm, and now everyone wants to do what Instagram is doing. So I would imagine that LinkedIn eventually sees what Facebook is doing with the groups, and they'll start to prioritize it a little bit more. So maybe get ahead of the game. I'm I'm not personally doing anything, but it's something to think about. And obviously, I'm I don't have a connection with LinkedIn to figure out what they have in mind, um, but you know it doesn't hurt to be ahead of the game but i wouldn't put too many resources in it for when they do prioritize it because they might not
1: yeah no i i i would would tend to, tend to agree i I, I think that our email exchanges so i was saying a, a bunch that i've been on are just yeah either it's crickets <laughs> just dead air
0: mm-hmm.
1: or just an endless dream of uh, self promotion and uh, yes uh, invitations to webinars yet another webinar great mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. not, not really a great forum for, for for engaging dialogue. All right. Well, that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, I, 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 my next question has to uh, has to do with podcasts. Um, you're obviously uh, a big fan. Uh, we were talking before the show about uh, the, the the episode that I, I listened to it, uh, two or three weeks ago with you and Chris Walker, and how that was like, you know, listening to Woodward and Bernstein, uh, the Woodward and Bernstein of B two B podcast. Uh, so you're clearly you clearly a, a big fan. You're clearly good at it. Um, you, you, you know that the the best practices, but uh, obviously it wasn't always the case when you first started out. You were learning lessons, and uh, I, I imagine you you had to learn a few lessons the hard way. Uh, and those I, I find are are usually the lessons that are that that stick with you the most. So mm-hmm. I'm curious what those you know what one, two, or three key lessons did you learn the hard way? Uh, things that you wish you, you know, now that you wish you knew then, but but you learned the hard way and, and those lessons have stuck with you.
0: You know, one of the first things that we've really continued to refine is just the process behind our podcast. And I'm not saying you need to over-systematize everything, but uh, we have a workflow for when we reach out to a guest all the way to, uh, continuing the relationship down the road. Um, every single point is detailed out. And I think that that is something that's constantly refined, but it's a core part of our business is building these relationships and creating content for our ideal buyers. So we take it, uh, we we make it a priority and we really do create systems around it. I think that that has really helped us refine what we do and kind of keep everything running smooth. Um, the next thing that uh, I think a lot of podcasters kind of make the mistake of is getting a big name on your podcast will kind of give you this huge boost of credit. Well, it'll give you a boost of credibility, but it won't really give you much of an audience boost because for example, let's say we have Chris Walker on the podcast. People will see Chris Walker. They'll come and listen to his podcast episode because they're a fan of Chris's brand. And then a lot of times they'll drop off and won't come back. Right now, the reason we had Chris on the show is because he adds a ton of credibility and a ton of value for our ideal buyer. So it was more of a fit. Now, if we had Gary Vaynerchuk on the podcast, it would probably be listened to just about as much as our other podcast episodes. And I've actually I know someone who had Gary V on their show, and they're like, "Look, it wasn't even our most listened to podcast. People just come and listen to Gary V because they're his brand, and then they're gone." Um, and I think that that's something you need to watch out for early on is like big names don't necessarily mean big audience for you. And a lot of times they're not even going to promote the podcast afterwards because they've been on four other ones that same day. You want someone like Mike Corcoran, who's, who has awesome value, who's excited to be on the show, um, who a director of marketing. I don't know how many podcasts you've been on, but a lot of times this is exciting and you're excited to share your viewpoints and for people to see it. So that's what I'm looking for. And I think that if you can get the micro influencers, people that are active on social media, that are, uh, you know, a a subject matter expert, those are the people that are really valuable for a show, and if you can realize that early on, then you're going to set yourself up for success.
1: Quick follow-up question, Uh, what do you look for in those micro influencers, and and how do you find, I I have a feeling I know the answer, but uh, Mm -hmm. I'm
0: curious. So we look for um, directors and VPs of marketing at B2B tech companies, primarily because they have um, quite a bit of knowledge in the marketing realm of our ideal buyers. So we we sell to the B2B world websites, right? And therefore we want to create content, credible content for our buyers. So you, Mike, are credible content. You're a director, you have a lot of experience in the industry. Now, if we were to bring on like, Uh, a marketing manager, they probably have some great things to say, but it's not going to create a lot of pull and credibility for someone to listen to the podcast. So that's our strategy behind it. And how I find our guests. um, I do the prospecting. I actually do it right on LinkedIn. Um, We get guests from United States and Canada uh, that are directors and VPs of marketing. I just go searching through. And if they work at a SaaS or a tech company, um, we kind of get a feel for the size of the company and how active the guest is on LinkedIn. If this is something they would Find a value. And then I simply send them a note. You got the note. It was, hey, uh, we're doing a B2B podcast. Is this something you'd be interested in joining? And we leave it at that. And if someone's interested, then we send them more information and kind of work on the onboarding process. But it's really simple. And I think that's you probably can attest to that.
1: Yes. One last quick follow-up on on that one. Uh, what what are one or two of your favorite podcasts? To listen to.
0: Oh, man. It, my favorite is uh, State of Demand Gen, Chris Walker, Refine Labs. Um, Full Transparency, that's the only podcast I've listened to in probably the last three to five months. And the reason being is I'm actually still trying to immerse myself in the B2B marketing world, just like I'm having this podcast. I'm learning every single day. And that's a great way to do it to learn even more how our customers talk and what's important to them. Um, so that's why I immerse myself in that. And that's the one that they kill it, man. it's really good content and that's why we had Chris on the show.
1: All right, my last question and this well it sort of goes back to LinkedIn because I think I see a post or a, a comment a discussion thread on this every day on LinkedIn. The great gate debate mm-hmm. to gate or not to uh, to gate. Uh, I think you and I are on the uh, on the same page about uh, uh, not gaining uh, uh, sharing content early and often. Uh, you know, reducing the friction between
0: mm-hmm.
1: customers, your, your future customers and the information they want. Uh, and I, I think you do a great job of that, not just uh, product demos uh, uh, and, and, and clear uh, uh, value propositions and articulating the, the value of the services, uh, but even pricing information, uh, I think is great. But another school of thought that I think is, is, is valid is... Um, is that if, if buyers out there are serious about looking for your product, your service, uh, they won't hesitate to, to fill out a form to get mm-hmm. the information that they need. Uh, and I, you know, I think that's a valid point, but I, I, I'm not convinced of it, but I'm curious what, what your take is on again the great gate to make.
0: Yeah, uh, I think we're pretty aligned on this, but when it comes to gates, I ungate all of content, um, our pricing is ungated. And as a service provider, all of our pricing is custom, yet we still find a way to put it on the website. Um, and a great way to do that is we just say, hey, starting at X, this is right. typically where we see. And I debated that for the longest time, putting pricing up. And I now I'm just like a huge fan of it because it qualifies people ahead of time, right? So that's not gated. Now, people might say our website form on our web on our site to book a meeting is a gate but there's no way around that so it's kind of like yeah when they're ready to reach out they'll reach out but i am 100 on gate as much content as possible um i mean before like i said it it was they had to reach out for pricing but i think that that should be something that you show i don't care if our competitors see it if someone is coming to us and they're shopping price then we're not going to be the right fit anyway because we're expensive Right. There are other reasons, other values that we provide, and if price is the issue, then you're gonna find someone cheaper. So at that point, I don't even really care, and that's how I look at it.
1: Yeah, and I I, I think you hit an interesting point, which is is one of the big objections I I, I hear from uh, on, on LinkedIn and friends and and colleagues to ungating is the the competition, the uh, you know the FUD, the information, the competitive intel that your your competitors are gonna get uh, mm-hmm. on you by making product demos available or making pricing available. But uh, I, I think you'll agree. It doesn't take uh, a, a rocket science or, uh, it, you know, Sherlock Holmes for a uh, competitor to find that information out <laughs> one way or another, but they're going to find, if they want to yeah. find it, mm-hmm. there's a way to find it.
0: Mm-hmm. Even in the SaaS world. Routine. Yeah. Even in the SaaS world, you're going to go to G2 captera and you're going to find the reviews. You're going to find people that use the product. You can ask them the pricing. Um, it's going to get found out, so why not just give it to people and eliminate the friction before they jump off the boat and go find someone else anyway? Uh, yeah, we're I think we're definitely aligned on that.
1: Well, this has been really fun. I uh, appreciate you turning the tables. This is a, a great way to shake it up.
0: Yeah, man, you did a good job. It's it sounds like it's time for you to go do your own podcast and and be a podcast host because you do a good you would do a great job. <laughs>
1: I might just do that.
0: That's awesome, man. Good for you, Mike. Um, so before we go, we're going to wrap up here. I want to hear about uh, Fluence Technologies. I know we touched on it a bit, but give us like your 30-second rundown, your elevator pitch. What is it you guys and in- do and who do you do it for?
1: Sure. So Fluence provides uh, financial consolidation software uh, for again, pr- uh, primarily the accounting side of the Office of Finance. Uh, and we focus entirely on the, uh, the mid-market uh, an area that uh, not just in finance, but B2B software in general, uh, has, has been pretty ignored for a, a long time. There's a ton of greenfield opportunity there uh, to, to meet those, those unmet needs. So uh, again, financial consolidation and closed software for mid-market companies.
0: Awesome, Mike. Well, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. This has been... Uh, really fun. Glad we finally were able to connect here and uh, get up to a cottage there soon. Don't let the rest of the summer get away from you. I hope you get some cottaging in uh, more uh, by the end of the year.
1: You can bet on it, eh? Yeah,
0: eh? (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much, Mike. Uh, We'll talk soon.